you will also attract other more quality students to your studio because you are charging what you should be charging in the first place. And it reflects your professionalism and what you have to offer in your studio when you charge a higher rate. Welcome to the Teach Music Online podcast, where we help music teachers thrive. I'm Carly Walton, your host, and on this podcast, we discuss marketing strategies, tech for online teaching, mindset for growth, course creation, and so much more. No matter where you are in your journey, here you'll receive weekly inspiration to boost your studio success. Thanks for joining me. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Teach Music Online podcast. I am so excited to share with you this interview that I did with Lisa Bailey. She has been a member of our Teach Music Online community for a couple of years, so I've been able to watch her as she has incorporated has incorporated a ton of new policies, business systems, ways to engage her students. She has just been incredible, and she is a highly successful exclusively online teacher. I had to invite her on the podcast because I know a lot of teachers wonder if they can make it a successful business teaching exclusively online. Of course, I know you can, but I want you to hear from other teachers who are doing it. In this episode, we talk about so many things. Some of the highlights are how to use your Facebook business page, how to batch tasks. We talk about raising your rates with confidence, why you should raise your rates, and so much more. So please enjoy this interview with Lisa Bailey. Lisa Bailey, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. It's such a pleasure to be here. There are listeners who don't know who you are. Our members know who you are because you've been in the membership for a long time, but will you introduce yourself? Tell us where you live and tell us what you teach. Sure. So uh, my name is Lisa Bailey and I am uh, a single teacher studio in New Hampshire and I am completely online. I have been teaching uh, over 30 years now. I started teaching when I was in high school. Um, and have loved, maybe not every single minute, but I have loved, I love teaching. I love um, engaging students and learning about them and finding what they love in music. You have been such a core member of our community for like three years now, and it's been really fun to watch how you have embraced online teaching and really like didn't look back, but just said, I'm going to do this and I'm going to make this work. And tell me like, what have been some of the reasons why you stuck with online lessons? So I actually started teaching online in 2018. Um, It was kind of an experiment at the time because my niece lives in Indiana and my nephews live in New Jersey and they really wanted me as their teachers. I'm like, well, let's try it. Let's see how it goes. We started on Skype. So, um, me too. (laughs) Yeah. So we started that way and gradually I word got out that I was teaching online and more people wanted to try it out that didn't live in the area. And so when the shutdown happened in 2020, I already had half of my studio online and was used to the screen share and the glitches and, and engagement and all of that, that, that comes with teaching online. And so my transition was a piece of cake compared to many teachers. Um, So I stayed online for the rest of 2020, went back to a few in-person students in 
um, the fall of 2020. And I, I only had a few at that point. Some of my students chose to stay online. And then mm -hmm. um, last year, uh, fall of 2022, I decided, okay, I'm done with, I was traveling to a few students and I'm like, no, no, it's just, it takes, it's so much time to travel to a student. And while I love engaging with them and seeing where they practice and um, getting to know their family dynamic, um, as a business owner, it was just the right decision to uh, go fully online. And it has been such a blessing. I am so thankful that I just just kind of made the decision and stuck with it. And it has been, there's so many benefits to it. Yes, there really, really are. I've been, you know, obviously in the communities online and, and kind of watching how things have changed since the pandemic. And mm -hmm. there are still people that, you know, they just, they have to teach in person. And I can understand if you have a setup and you want to, and you don't necessarily uh, prefer the convenience of online mm -hmm. lessons or the flexibility, you know, all of those benefits then absolutely. Mm -hmm. But I don't love, I, I don't like it. I'm just going to say it when yeah. people argue that in-person is so much better. Um, because I think yeah. it has so much to do with the teacher and oh, absolutely. how you set up. Yeah. Yeah. And it, I honestly, when we, when I started with my niece and my nephews, you know, I knew them really well. And so I'm like, okay, this is going to be fun. But I was honestly surprised at how natural it was for me and how in easy it was overall for them to understand what I was talking about and um, how effective it was. So I wasn't sure how I was going to, how am I going to explain this? I can't like move their fingers or things like that. But you, you figure it out. You, you get creative and you learn different ways to say something or you do a game or an activity or, um, you know, you, I have an over, over the keys camera. I used, I didn't at first, but, um, that was a game changer for me as far, especially for, I teach a lot of beginners and they have to see what's happening. And that, that was a big game changer. Have you seen any drop in retention for online students? Overall, no. It kind of ebbs and flows depending mm -hmm. on the year. Um, I will have to say in 2020, my studio was bigger than it ever has been and actually was a little too big because I was I was so tired. <laughs> I was teaching a little too much at that point. But um, so I've scaled back intentionally um, mm -hmm. and pretty much stayed where I wanted to be. This year, I'm a little bit smaller, which is why I'm able to offer group lessons now. So I'm very excited about getting some group lessons started. Absolutely. There, there's so many opportunities for music teachers. We don't have to just do the same thing year after year after year. Mm -hmm. And that's the invitation on the podcast is to think differently and think outside the box and add some new things to your toolbox so that you can, you know, move, change as your life changes, you know, with kids and with all the phases of life. You've been a member of our community for a while, and I would love to hear what have been some of your biggest gains being a member, whether that's the community or our coaching calls that you've attended, courses. Is there anything that stands out to you? So, um, yes, definitely. <laughs> I mean, all of those things. But I think the things that have been um, <clears throat> the biggest 
wins, the biggest wins and gains for me um, was getting my business automated. So auto invoicing, auto pay, um, calendar, different things like that, and like the Google Forms and stuff so they can just register and it comes, it just creates its own spreadsheet. I don't have to do all of that. Um, yeah. So that was a big one, automating my business. The time management um, in the course, that was huge for me um, as far, it just, it has saved me so much time just lumping tasks together. And then the other thing that has been big for me in the course, uh, of course, the community, the community is amazing. It's so encouraging. Um, it doesn't matter what you ask. Um, you might feel like it's a simple question that you really should know the answer to. No one is going to make you feel like you're asking a ridiculous question. Um, everyone is very encouraging and everyone treats one another like we are exactly on the same level. I mean, we have a, a doctor of music in the TMO uh, membership, and he is one of us. <laughs> He's not like way up here and inaccessible and looking down on everyone like, well, why can't you do it this way? He is so encouraging and um, uh, gives such good advice, but also takes advice and enjoys some of the ideas that the other members have too. So the community has been has been so wonderful and encouraging. And it's as an online teacher, you don't necessarily get a whole lot of um, community. Um, even in, in my area, I'm in rural New Hampshire, and I don't have, uh, I know of two other piano teachers in my area that I could connect with. And so there's not a lot of opportunity for, um, for local community. So TMO mm -hmm. has been huge for me just to, it, it keeps me, engage with other teachers gives me ideas and um it's just fun to hang out with with them in the group with all of the members <laughs> and just hey what's happening this weekend and all that kind of stuff so yeah i've been amazed with how professional everyone has been mm -hmm. the the level of professionalism in teaching methods from teaching methods to business methods to writing studio policies to how we engage with one another like just such a high caliber of people and mm -hmm. that's, you know, helped me be better and helped change me. And so that was, I always say that's been the hidden bonus to starting this was not realizing it would, it would bring in the best of the best mm. because the best teachers look for improvement. Yeah. Well, and I think, I think some of that is in the way you have structured the program too. Your videos are very professional and very well done. It's not just, you know, thrown together. Um, and so when we come in and start learning and seeing what's happening, we're getting this professional teaching and, um, you know, the whole, the assignments and things that you're guiding us through are all very professional, very well done. And so I think you have fostered that a lot just in um, the way you've created the group. And I think a lot of that can, can be attributed to your expertise and your, um, I don't know, you're just good at it. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Lisa. <laughs> 
Thank you. It's it's so fun for me. And the list of content goes on. I have lists of courses in the works. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> it's so fun. It's so fun to provide in a in an ever-changing modern tech world. You know, it's just not ever going to end. So it's been so much fun. Yeah. We're going to switch gears and talk about social media. You have been... I, I always share you as an example in our in our calls. I'm like, everyone go to Lisa Bailey's Facebook page because you have used your Facebook page to do a number of things. You share when you have openings, you share student highlights, you talk, you share students practicing uh, videos from the families. What motivates you to post, you know, as often as you do? So I like to show off my students. I, I, I just, I love their they're so they're funny. They are talented. They are, they're unpredictable. And it's so much fun to share that with whoever happens to be watching. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think parents appreciate it too, even if they might not necessarily say anything about it. You know, I always try to text or email a parent when their student is featured on uh, my social media. And a lot of times they're like, oh, great, thanks. I'll show him or show her. I love bragging on my students. So that's a lot of fun. Um, it's also free advertising. So if, mm -hmm. if the general world that happens to stumble upon my page sees, oh, here's an online instructor. I was just thinking about that for so-and-so or, or mm -hmm. somebody was talking to me the other day about needing piano lessons or looking for a teacher. And um, so it's, it's an easy way to advertise. Um, and it's also helped me as a result of advertising um, and current students seeing what's happening in, um, on Facebook and in the studio. Um, it's helped me attain students and get new students. Mm -hmm. So do people message you through Facebook Messenger? Do they find your page? Yeah. Yep. They usually message me through there. If they know okay. me personally, they might message me through my personal page. Um, but generally they message me through Facebook. Okay. So walk us through kind of the process. Someone messages you on Facebook, Facebook mm -hmm. business page. What, where do you send them? What information do you send them to start the enrollment process? So the first thing I do is just find a little bit about what they're looking for. How is it for them? Their, their child, how old, um, and sometimes you can tell right away that it's not going to be a good fit if they're looking for mm -hmm. twice weekly hour lessons and we expect exams and all of that. That's just not me. That's not a good fit for my studio. Um, but I start with just finding out a little bit of information and getting an email address from them. And then I have um, email templates that I send. So the first one would be just general information with my studio policy attached. And so okay. I, that's the first thing I do. And they, I ask them to read the policy and reach out with any questions. If they're all on board and excited, then we move to the next step, which is um, a student interview. And mm -hmm. just to see how we work face to face. And if they play, like if they're a, already a student that has already had a little bit of music or even just likes to noodle around, I will let them let them play, go for it. And we talk and we chat and find out a little bit more. And then once that, that I don't make a decision until that student interview, because I've found that to be key. Um, you get to know their personality. You get to know their parents a little bit as you are engaging with their student. Um, and then once the decision is made, I will move forward with the onboarding process. Okay. Okay. So you do that 
somewhat trial slash audition with you. Do you use Fonz or my music staff to schedule that? Or how do you schedule that call? I use my music staff. Okay, great. And that's working well. Yeah. 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 I have been very, they just did a big upgrade. So I'm getting used to the new upgrade, but it yeah. is, it's very, um, so far it's gone really smooth. I really like it. Okay. So you've been teaching online for several years. I know that teachers listening want to know that one of the biggest struggles is engagement and incentives. Um, you shared in our membership, I believe that you are doing the circle of fifths as a theme this year. Tell us what, how did you come up with that theme and what does that theme involve throughout the year for your students? So I'm not really sure where I came up with the idea. <laughs> um, it just seemed like a really cool thing to focus on. I think some of it was um, uh, Nicola Canton through Colorful Keys. She does, um, I, I listened to her podcast and um, follow some of her stuff. And she had a few things on the circle of fifths and five finger scales and different things like that. And I've been wanting to branch my students out a little bit so that they're not so scared of moving out of position and using black keys and different things like that. And I'm like, oh, this would be perfect. So um, I actually started mulling this over in, I think in March, March or April was when the idea started. So I started kind of just ruminating on it. And so now, um, and it isn't here yet, but I ordered a giant poster of the Circle of Fists that's going to go on the wall behind me. And so we'll be able to track our progress around the circle of fifths. We're just doing the major keys this year. Um, and because I teach mostly beginners, we're not going to get into a whole lot of key signatures. We're going to talk about the sharps and the flats, but we're not necessarily going to, and I will show them the key signatures, but we're not going to dive into a whole lot of that with the with the key signatures, with the young ones. With my older students, we'll, we'll go whole hog. We'll do it all. Um, so we're going to do two or three weeks on each key and the younger kids will be doing the five finger scales. So those that are in, you know, thumbs on middle C will start branching out into, and same with, you know, the C five finger scale, they'll be branching out into other places, um, which I think will be so beneficial and so helpful. So I have printables that I am emailing the parents today for them to, um, print off and it is, this is a vibrant music teaching resource where it has um, each different five finger scale, but you color in the keys on the keyboard. And so they can see what it is. And then I'm also creating videos for each uh, key and which has, it explains, it goes into basic basics, like half steps and whole steps, and how do we create a five finger scale? And then I demonstrate the five finger scale that we're doing. And then we also do, um, I have an improv accompaniment for each key that I'm doing along with it and having them do practice some improvisation along with it. So that's going to be in addition to what we do in the lesson. So we'll also do other things. We'll do games and activities and like roll the dice to decide. So like say, C is number one, uh, G is number two, you know, we'll roll the dice and pick which five finger scale we're going to do for that day or different things like that. So oh, that's great. I love that you've made it a theme because then it gives you kind of a reason to revisit it again and again, and it's yeah. in their minds. I, I don't, I think I, 
I'm trying to remember how old I was when I was, you know, actually taught the circle of fifths, but I think I'm pretty sure it was like in high school choir, um, Mm -hmm. our choral teacher doing theory and we studied them and learned them. And I remember going to my piano teacher and and asking her like, why did we not talk about the circle of like, where has this (laughs) been? (laughs) Where has this been all my life? Like it helped me memorize so much better that it helped me with all my transpositions and improvisation. I mean, there's so many endless benefits to really talking about it and making it fun for students. And it's not really in beginner books either. You don't really get into the circle fifth circle of fifths until you're you know, starting to work on key signatures. But even then, the beginning key signatures, there's not really a whole lot about the circle of fifths until you're Mm. more intermediate. So, you know, I'm like, the more I can expose them to these things, they won't be new and uncomfortable. And I don't understand this. They'll already have it down. Yeah, I can. I'm like trying. I'm just having ideas come to my mm-hmm. mind. Like you could have them pull, pull them out of a bowl, like pull the different mm-hmm. keys out of a bowl and find them on the circle or, you know, yeah. like you can do stuff with whiteboards. That's just really fun. So yeah. if they're online, I'm I'm thinking from of the perspective of someone who's listening, who teaches mostly in person. Um, how are you doing activities with beginner students? Um, I do a lot of screen share, a lot of screen share. And if you look at my Facebook page, you will see so many examples of games that we've done and um, just screen share and like even screen sharing the music and marking up the music or um, showing how with my my little beginners showing how the treble clef looks like the letter G. So you can always Mm -hmm. find the G line and the bass clef find the F line. Um, I had one student who just was like, whoa she was so like that it the light bulb just went on for her for that some students are like oh that's cool but some students are just like oh I get it now and it just makes the light come on it's so exciting when things like that happen um I oh you can't see them but I have stuffed animals up there that go along with the wonder keys books um and so for my little ones I will bring out one of the stuffed animals depending on what unit we're working on or if one of the games has a particular one of the characters in it I'll bring out that particular stuffed animal and they'll sit here and and watch and you know so um or play the game with us so do we do a lot of of games. I switch activities often. So we'll play some music or we might do some rhythm and then we'll do, you know, five minutes of a game and then we'll come back to some more music. And so I'm always changing activities unless sometimes I have students who have really good attention spans, which is rare for littles. But if we do, I will spend longer on music, usually that's the part on actually playing than I do on the other activities, Mm -hmm. but I try to try to switch things up. Yes. And it, it, I, you know, one of the biggest things in teach music online that we try to, and to teach our teachers is to engage with your students through questions, asking them questions, getting them to talk to you. Like it's not a one-way show where the teacher is talking the whole time and demonstrating the whole time. Like if you have bad retention, it's probably because you're doing that. And you're not in court, like talking. And this actually goes for in-person students as well. Like we're not talking at our students. We have to check for understanding and we have to have them tell us what's going on. And I think Mm -hmm. you have done that so well because your students are excited to show you and talk to you. It's not just like, come in, sit down, play your songs, get a new assignment. 
Right. Yeah. Yeah. I work hard to keep things fun. Um, piano lessons have changed so much since I was taking lessons as a kid. And I love piano lessons. I love my teacher. Um, but they've come a long ways. They're, they're just, there are a lot of things that I didn't understand as a seven, eight, nine, ten 10 year old that I can now help my younger kids understand because I have other tools to be able to do that with. And I can find, you were talking about, um, you know, asking questions and stuff. And I tend to be a wordy person. I like to talk. And so I can tell when I'm talking too much, I can see my students' eyes just glaze right over. I'm like, okay, I got to stop this. <laughs> we got to reel it in and let's try something different. <laughs> so I've learned to ask a lot of questions and then wait, let them have time yeah. to think. Because sometimes we as teachers tend to jump in and rescue our students if we think they don't know the answer or they're not sure how this goes when really we need to give them give them a chance to even just process what we just asked. You mentioned that you downsized, you know, in the last year or so and you have started to have fewer students. I'm curious, have you been raising your rates? Are you happy with your rates right now and what has been the response from families as you've done that? Yes, I've raised my rates. I did a um significant raise in 2020. Um, I was going to do it in the fall of 2020. Actually, it was 2021 that I did the raise. So I was going to do the raise in the fall of 2020 because um, I hadn't raised my rates for a very long time. But because of everything that had happened, I started telling my studios, talking to my parents and saying, hey, listen, this is coming. I'm pushing it off until January because I know things have been really tough this year. Um, I didn't lose any students. It was it was a it was like a 25% raise. It was a big raise, uh, but I needed it. I was not charging nearly enough. I was not. Um, I mean, there's there's expenses and there's things to pay for, and um, financially, that was just a really smart move. So I did that big raise in January of 2021 and then did a just a small, it was just a very, very small raise in the fall of 2021. But at the same time, I transitioned to monthly tuition instead of weekly tuition that gets charged once a month. I have a flat monthly fee every month. And ever since then, I've done consistent um, tuition increases you each year in the fall and everybody knows about it in March of the year before and they do their they commit and register in April of the year before or maybe it's May 1st is the deadline so usually in April I get most of the registrations um, and then the raise the tuition increase goes in effect in September of that fall. Do you feel like the the raising of rates has kept the quality of students high for you. Yes, it definitely has. I have lost very few students, but I've lost a couple students here and there. Um, and they won't necessarily come out and say that it's because of the tuition raise, but sometimes you just kind of know. Um, mm -hmm. And usually it's the students that are kind of losing interest or the families that are not as committed. Um, and I'm always sad to see my students go no matter who they, I just, I love, I love teaching and I love my students. But at the same time, from a business standpoint, it's usually mm -hmm. the students that, or families that are less committed that end up um, 
dropping because of a tuition raise. Yes. And in the long run, you're trying to build a, like a long-term studio where you're keeping students who are committed to you, who are committed mm -hmm. to practicing. And I always want to encourage teachers, if you're feeling the need to raise your rates, to not put it off, to not mm -hmm. worry about it, like worrying and just thinking so hard li literally does no good for you. <laughs> like yeah. there's not, there's no good that comes from worry. <laughs> yeah. And the, what, what you can do is look to teachers who have done it. Mm -hmm. If you're worried is mm -hmm. look to Lisa, look to teachers in our community where they have had success building a professional studio and say, look, they're doing it. I am like them. This is what I want to create versus on Facebook. Sometimes we see, you know, the negative, the negativity in some of the groups, what, what could go wrong? What could happen? Oh, it's the economy's hard, you know, and these right. thoughts creep in and we don't do those things. Yeah. The other thing that um, I always come back to is many of these students are um, involved are not just involved in piano. They are involved in sports and dance and uh, maybe choirs or different things like that. And um, those things go up every year. The price increases on those. Maybe they're doing swimming lessons, um, whatever. But the price increases and the registration fee almost always increases every year. So it's a normal thing for things mm -hmm. to get, you know, for to, for increases to happen. Um, the other thing I wanted to touch on too, though, is, you know, even if you lose students because of a tuition increase, you will also attract other more quality students to your studio because you are charging what you should be charging in the first place and it reflects your professionalism and what you have to offer in your studio when you charge a higher rate and that is something that i really had to work through and think through and realize and even now if i lose a student because of my tuition it'll make me go oh man oh maybe i shouldn't have done that and then i go nope and then somebody else comes along that is willing to pay what I'm asking and they're willing to commit. Yeah. Something else that I, I don't remember which interview it was in, but we were talking about this idea of charging more, teaching less, and then teachers do have a little bit of room for scholarships or help mm -hmm. when needed because you're not teaching every moment that you possibly can. Maybe you're teaching mm -hmm. three or three days a week instead of five or four days or whatever, you can have a lot more flexibility in your schedule when you charge a demanding, you know, high professional rate. And then when, when you feel motivated to offer that to somebody who needs it, you totally can and feel good about it. Teachers listening who are nervous about, you know, any number of things, social media, um, they're nervous to raise rates. They're nervous to teach online. What, I guess, what encouragement can you give them towards building a professional studio where at right now listening, they may feel hesitant to make some of those changes? Um, first of all, join TMO. You will not regret it. That is where I have gotten just a wealth of um, information and teaching, but also the community is so encouraging. And when I'm struggling with something or I have a question, I can reach out to them and say, hey, how did you guys do this? Or can somebody give me an example of this? Or what program did you use for this? Or, you know, there's so many things you can ask. 
Um, but the other thing I would say is to start with one thing. So if that is your studio Facebook page, if that is um, tweaking your policy and making it so it's condensed and only on one page, that's a that was a big one for me. That was a hard one to get it condensed. It's hard um, for everyone. It is. It is because there's so <laughs> much you want to say and so many like, well, and if this happens, then blah, blah, blah. And if this happens, blah, blah, blah. But those things don't, you don't, need to explain yeah. all of those things all at once. You can do more explaining in your student interview. You can do more explaining in, um, you know, when you're talking, communicating with the parents and things like that. Start, that would be my biggest advice would be to start with yeah. one thing. What is the biggest red flag, the biggest thing right now that you feel like your studio is lacking that needs mm -hmm. to change or you need get on Facebook, get a studio page yeah. going. Yes. And if teachers want to connect with you, they can join our community and ask you yes, more questions. <laughs> absolutely. Tell us the name of your Facebook page. Is it Lisa Bailey? It's the studio? piano. No, it's the piano studio of Lisa Bailey. That's right. Okay. So if they want to check on, out your posts. Yes. Yes. And I do the, I do all of the same posts on my um, Instagram business page, which is uh, piano studio underscore Lisa Bailey. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you so much for sharing all of your experience. It is so helpful for teachers to hear from somebody who is in it, continually improving and who's just been where they are. So thank you so much. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It was such a pleasure to be on here and to get to see you again. I know what little time you have to learn what you need to be successful. This is why I created the Teach Music Online Membership, the only membership dedicated to helping online studio owners thrive. Here, you'll find courses, group coaching, and community, all designed to save you time and help your business grow. Whether you're hoping to create more engaging lessons, grow a waitlist, create passive income, or build a new website, we have exactly what you need. And now you can also get online teaching certified with our certification course. Join us today and cancel anytime. To learn more, go to teachmusic.online and I can't wait to see you there.